0: Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at home puzzles and mysteries.
1: Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach.
2: Well, welcome back to another episode of Puzzling Company. It is Zach, and always with me is. It's Jared. Hi, Jared. How are you doing? I'm
3: doing pretty good today. Our listeners probably don't know this, but tomorrow we, Zach and I, as well as some other players from our escape room are going on a mass exodus escape room trip.
2: I'm excited. We're playing like what, nine, 10 games? We are playing nine escape
3: rooms in one day tomorrow. I'm excited. Very excited about this. If we fail any of them. It's just, it's exciting to get to do it. Like, cause we had this plan for a while and then it was canceled and just with, the coronavirus like we haven't been able to get out and just even play like what i would say a regularly a couple of months are
2: oh yeah i mean i think the last that you and me played has been at least six months it's been a very long time yeah So so i'm
3: super excited we're breaking out of our at home puzzle and mystery world but don't worry we always come back that's right we always come back
2: and speaking of this week's episode we will be covering deadbolt mystery society's games we have the scavenger museum nocturnus Last Resort, and then... The Inheritance. The Inheritance, that's correct. That'll be the four we're talking about, but stick with us, we'll be right back. Jared, 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 Jared. I found this really cool box outside. Can we please, 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 can we open it? Are you out of
3: your mind? Look what it says on the box. It literally reads, Root of All Evil. There's no way we're opening this box.
2: Oh, come on, Jared. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that...
3: Have you ever seen a horror movie? Listen, you don't split up your team. The basement is not a good hiding place. You don't give cute little creatures water. And above all, you don't open the mysterious and creepy box with the word evil on it.
2: Please, Jared. No.
3: But if you're listening and you have more guts than me, you should actually head over to KrakenetMysteries.com and pick up a copy of Root of All Evil.
2: (laughs) Jared, I think I need to tell you something. Well, welcome back from the ad break. Um, we are now in the first section. In this section, we kind of talk about the game that we have on the show, and we kind of talk about the room for improvements. You know, we talk about the likes. Uh, this is not an area to bash games. Uh, we, of course, love games as much as everyone else, sometimes even more depending on the game. But it's honestly a, a, just an honor to play them, and we really like to experience them and go through it. Um, But no game is perfect, so we'll, you know. Absolutely. But Jared, can you tell the audience or the people listening what Deadbolt Mystery Society is about? Yeah, Deadbolt Mystery
3: Society is a monthly subscription, which is actually pretty crazy. I hope we get to talk more about that and how that is nutty to me, that a company can put out not a bi-monthly, not a quarterly, but a monthly game. But it is a monthly society subscription, or you can purchase... Old boxes individually, but they have a very similar format that we are comfortable with within the subscription games that we play, which is envelopes to open, um, some upgraded paper materials, but the format of the game is you are working through almost the intersection of an escape room meets a murder mystery, Mm -hmm. and every game usually is generated at solving puzzles to figure out a whodunit. If, yep. if that, It feels like adult Scooby-Doo, Zach. That's it really the, does. That's the yep. best way that I can sum it up. Deadbolt Mystery Society is adult Scooby-Doo.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much correct. You actually spoke a little bit about one of our first likes. So, Jared, what was our first like?
3: I love the fusion of the escape room style puzzling with the crime-based narrative. We see a little bit of that, but in essence, what I feel like is this encapsulates the world that we cover. Because every other crime game they've they've kind of toyed with the escape room style puzzles, the mm-hmm. the decoding, the connection making, all of these different types of things. But then to partner that with the standard type of elimination logic that we see in the who-done it's, it was like, this is the world we live in. Like this is what we cover. It's escape room style puzzling meets murder mystery. And I really liked that all in one box because they fused it so, 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 so well. Did you feel the same about that?
2: No, I agree. I loved it. We've talked about it before when we played some other games that we felt like it was missing one or the other. And in this game, it felt like it was a perfect mix of that. It
3: was a great balance. And I want to be careful because I think we enjoy this because this is the, like I said, almost the perfect match of the world that we cover. But this, in my opinion, is a really great starting place Mm -hmm. for a lot of players to figure out what they do and don't like, because Maybe you like more of the escape room style puzzle. That's great. Zach and I can point you to a host of other games that fall more along those lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe you like more of the crime and that linear type of like I called it elimination logic, suspect elimination. Great. We can point you to a host of other games, but this is the meeting grounds of those things. This is kind of where the water meets the sand as it were, and I loved that because I've never found a game so balanced in both of those respects. Yeah, I agree. What else did we really like about this, Zach?
2: I really liked the narrative-informed gameplay. So what that means is I really enjoyed that the narrative really played into all the aspects of the game. There's narrative before you start to understand kind of what the case is going on with. You get narrative in each of the puzzles you get narrative that makes sense later on. Like you, cause it's almost like that crime thing where you get hints of things, but it doesn't make sense till you add up more and more information. But it, it never felt like we were doing something that didn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like there's no shoehorning of a, of a puzzle. There was never like this. Okay. This is just a narrative dump. I mean, right. you have like narrative bits where like clearly you're reading something. That's it. There's not like a puzzle with it specifically but then in that narrative plays into a puzzle later on yes but it, it just felt so good when that after like if you read everything and you did all the clues it all made sense like there was never a moment where i felt like the narrative threw me off sure i i take it
3: a little differently and okay. i still want this to be a positive i think it's that the narrative was so compelling that I think it covers up a multitude of things that in other games we would call shoehorning, but because the narrative was so good, the puzzles were well-made. There wasn't a bad puzzle that you're more likely to allow the misgivings of a shoehorned quote unquote puzzle.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. It, it's also, I mean, that's a compliment to a degree, like being Absolutely. able to hide certain
3: puzzles right, the, with narrative. Cause the puzzles stick out. Like I'm looking at some on the table right now and in reality, would some of these things really exist? Like, especially in the last game that we played, Museum Nocturnus, I was like, I don't care. Like, this is really enjoyable because it, it is so narratively ramped up yeah. that it works. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was really well done. And I, I want to—I want your take on this because I always set you up to be the more narrative guy sure. of us. But the reason I felt like the narratives were so good in Deadbolt is that they were thrilling. They were character-focused mm-hmm and they were thrilling. And that is different than I feel like a lot of what we see in a lot of other games. Would you agree or disagree with that?
2: I agree. It also throws everything on the line. And specifically for a few of the games we played, it very clearly is like, something's up. And then, or it immediately goes, this happened. And you're like, oh crap. And then the narrative goes, introduce characters, introduce suspects, introduce items, you know, and you go through and you learn more and more. And you're like, okay this is making sense. Oh, but it's getting worse and worse and worse as time is going on. You have to solve it now. Yes. And then you kind of get all the info. And then at the end you get like, you get the part of a crime based game where you have the logic of like eliminating suspects. So by the end, at least in all the games we played, we knew who did it. Like there wasn't like, like a surprise of like, okay, it could be one of these people, but I have no idea. Right. It clearly was obvious. Like, okay, by the like 80% point or 85%, I knew who it was. Right. And, but then like there's still like a really fun narrative part where like okay now i want to see how this goes cuz now you're going to confront them or and then like even the ending has its own like page page and a half of narrative like dump that goes okay now you're going to watch it play out and see and how it and it's good. Ends. And it's good. It's yeah. good
3: narrative. And we i think only the scavenger and we'll talk more about the games individually here in a minute but the scavenger was the one only one that didn't really like grip me that yeah. much but 3 out of the 4 that we got to play were very, very engaging from a narrative standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm going to keep coming back to it. I think it's because it's adult Scooby-Doo in the the best way. Like it's puzzly, it's whodunit. And it is just so
2: enthralling to go down that trail. Well, we've talked about this too. I think the thing that crime does well at times is narrative. Absolutely. And like you said, the fusion pays it off. Like having the narrative bits of a crime-solving aspect and having that flirt the the thrill and then have escape style puzzles yes which is like the fun style of puzzling it just plays so well together the
3: thing that really tied a bow on it for me is the last thing that i want to talk about it in the likes which is on a lot of different levels but i specifically want to talk about some of the digital elements on a lot of different levels deadbolt hit home for me i think it paces very well Mm -hmm. i think in terms of puzzle flow We ran into process puzzles, but we didn't run into a lot of process puzzles. We ran into connection puzzles. Some were quick. Like, it all flowed very well. But the elevation of all of that came in with the element of what we got to do digitally. Because I will say this. If this was just a paper experience, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. But But it wasn't. Talk to me about what kind of digital elements players can expect in here, Zach, and why we liked it so much.
2: Yeah. So we ran into a few different things. There is, I think the thing that is common in every game is that there's a QR code that you get with each of these, I'm going to call them postcards or items that tell you like, Hey, it asks you a question and it's like, okay, what's the murderer's name or whatever. That's usually like the last one, when yes. you're gonna say, but like, that's an example It's like, what's the, the hidden message. And then it tells you and you get a QR code and when you scan it, it goes like, what's the password, you know, but you don't really know what it is. Yes. Um, so then it's on you to solve puzzles to figure that out. But then when you do that, you usually get like an image on the page, you get like some narrative and then it explains like you can open these things now or it yes. will give you like parts of hints for another clue.
3: Yeah, I think that narrative elements of it covered up the classic envelope system very well. Yeah, Like the fact that we had narrative solves, not just like what's the four digit combination, which there is some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but by and large, what's moving this forward is the narrative, not the answers to the puzzles, if if that makes sense.
2: But then there's also even more digital aspects. There's websites that give more info. There are really cool like interactive puzzles. Um, I will say in Inheritance, there's actually a really cool, I'm going to call it a touring system. That was cool. um, That you get to use throughout the game. And specifically Museum Nocturnus, I remember a lot, is that there are... QR codes that you can scan that give you like these different audio files and different small puzzles you can look at or like pictures to help you solve things that were great. Yeah. All the digital aspects really played in well. They also like fed really well into the narrative as well as like the puzzling that it didn't feel like two different complete systems. No,
3: it was peppered. Yeah. Like it felt really organic and intuitive And they didn't try to overdo a whole lot once you got into the different digital. And again, they kept it diverse. Like I'm thinking specifically a museum nocturnist, like you got to do a lot of different, like fun, little unique things with it based on where you were at in the game. So overall, I think what we're just saying is like, I just think this is really well done for a subscription box. Like I think the reason Deadpool is so popular Mm. and why so many, if you have listened to any of our questions for creators, so many of our questions for creators, our creators have said, Oh yeah, I'm deadbolt. i I was really inspired by deadbolt and I can see why it's because it lends itself to anybody, mm-hmm. right? Anybody that has any interest in any type of puzzly world crime solving, you can get a little bit of your itch here. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just think it was really, really strong. I see why people enjoy it so much and why they have such a strong following. So I want to transition now to talk about where we felt like some room for improvements in this are. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think there are big ones. No. And the ones that we're going to talk about are a little bit more about like who we think is the appropriate audience for this. And maybe one issue, honestly, that I feel like we're a little torn on. Yeah. Uh, So Zach, kick us off. What is big picture room for improvements where we feel like there are some for deadbolt?
2: Yeah, so the first one we had is that the games are all kind of formulaic. So what I mean is that the the games are all unique in terms of, that we played in terms of like the narrative and some of the puzzling in it, but it follows the same formula every time. It's, you know, give you beginning brief in narrative intro. Here's a puzzle as well as a little bit of like introducing character that you are or with. Then it goes, okay, you are trying to solve this either crime or case or whatever's going on, introduce suspects, solve puzzles to start narrowing it down. And then it goes into a more and more and more, you know, and then you get more dumped to learn narrative aspects to make connections between characters. And then it goes, okay, now you figured out who it is. Tell us who it is, you know, tell us and then it's the solution. Yes. Right. So it plays like a, almost like the classic crime solver in, in most of its formula but then it has the escape room style puzzles to feed into it. Yes. And now it's hard because it's, and I, Jared kind of hinted at it. It's hard because it, it basically is just a crime solver. It's formulaic in that sense, but it's hard because it could be changed a little bit in between each game, but it ended up being like the exact same setup in right. every
3: game. I think what we're saying is, and again, we're torn on this a little bit, but I do think it bears worth knowing if you're going to start picking up deadbolt that it, it is well, it gets a fresh coat of paint every game. Gets a new story, gets a new theme. They're not repeating that. They're, if you look through their library, you have a lot of different options for what you can pick up. But in the four games that we played, we found the gameplay to be very formulaic,
2: mm-hmm. which some people may absolutely love. Oh yeah, I could see that as a plus for people because if you really like how the game played, The best part for you is every game we'll play so far that we've played, right? Some of the other games could experiment with this and we don't know. Yes. Um, But the ones we played, if you liked that setup and that formula, it's the exact same thing every game, but just like you said with a new brush of paint, it's like a new narrative, new story, new puzzles that are in it. Sure. But but you're
3: in the same room. Correct. We're just coating it with paint. Yeah, basically. Good paint. Yeah, oh, of course. Really, but but that's what's that's where it feels like it's a little different. Like a couple episodes ago, we talked from Chris from Escape the Crate. Escape the Crate is giving you fresh looks. Mm-hmm. Same thing we talk about Scarlet Envelope all the time. Format envelope to envelope is so different. And I think for us, that's a refreshment. Mm-hmm. And we prefer a little bit of variety to the same formula. However, if Deadbolt is your jam and you like it, rock on. The other side note I will make on this is, again, this was for the four games. There could be other Deadbolt games out there that do mess with format, and we're unaware of that. If that's the case, let us know, and then this part of the conversation is not as big of a deal. But I do think it bears fruit to consider your options just because there are so many options out there as a consumer to say Deadbolt is really good. But especially if you're a subscriber, a subscriber do I want 12 of these a year? If you can answer yes to that deadbolt is the jam. Like it is the stuff. It is so tight. It is so good. But if you're looking for some flavor, you may pick up a couple deadbolts here and there and then try somebody else. Mm. But that was one thing that we felt like there could be some room for improvement is give us a different take. I don't, I'm not saying get rid of the crime, get rid of the escape room style puzzling, but maybe how we're adventuring through the game. The inheritance felt the most like that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but still the same. But it felt like it had a few different tangents that we were were working through. Um, Zach, what else would you say? Like who would you say this game is and isn't made for?
2: I think the game this is actually really interesting. Our other point is that I feel like some of the themes in the games are a little dark. Um, they are crime solve based. So there are a lot, the out of the Three out of the four we played, there is murder. Um, in one of them, it is something is stolen, so it's less of a murder, but just figuring out who done it. Um, but like in in Scavenger, because I don't want to spoil anything, you know, there is clearly someone who's messing with events, and there's a murder at the very beginning of the game, you know. And then in, in Museum Nocturnus, it's set up for like someone's been killed, and then in Last Resort, it clearly is things are gone awry, or like awry, <laughs> as well as there's a murder, and then it. Keeps going more and more. So it feels really dark. So it's not the most kid friendly, but it's funny because I almost, it's very small critique, but I think the puzzles are almost friendlier to like new players and like family in terms of that they're not crazy difficult. At no, points. there are not many like multi step puzzles yeah, either. But the, but the issue is that the theming, it's like, okay, especially in some of the games, it's like, Okay, here's a creepy element, and also this thing murdered fifteen people, and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know if like my seven year old son should probably like listen to serial killer, right? But
3: I agree with you, but it, it is good because I do agree with you. It is new. This this series, if it's age appropriate for you, is new player friendly. I don't feel like there's anything in here that's outrageously difficult or outrageously processed or multi step that you just can't contain it. Along with the fact that it does have a good multi step. Hint system and does give you solutions if you need it. But I agree. I would say a majority of the boxes, as you look through the theme, feel like you need to be PG 13 or maybe R. It's literally adult Scooby Doo. It's adult Scooby Doo. It's so funny
2: how accurate that is because it's literally just like a little bit darker than Scooby Doo themes, but the same like. It's Scooby Doo after hours. Yeah. It's that's (laughs) such a good way to explain Deadbolt.
3: It, uh, I I just honestly, and, and not like there's anything risque. Oh, no. I, I, I I don't no, want to no. paint this from any type of like sexually explicit. Oh no! But no, no, no. a lot of a lot of uh, there are other games out there that I feel like yeah, sit down with your ten year old, twelve year old. For a majority of the bolt games, I would give them a couple years to get comfortable with some of this, and then honestly, it's a really great series yeah. that I would really highly recommend. But that, that really is going to wrap us up for room for improvements. I want to do one more extra section, though. Okay. And this is because usually when we're playing uh, multiple games from the same company, we like to do a comparison. But we played four, and that would take up a lot of time. So I want to give you three categories. Okay. And I want us to talk about our favorite of the four games that we played for each of them. So I want you to say, like, of the four games we played, what was our best overall experience? What was our best experience? Puzzle slash gameplay experience, and which one had the best narrative slash story. So, kick us off, Zach. What was our best overall
2: game? Museum Nocturnus. It's uh, it's also on their box. I think this was box of the year when this came 2020's out. Twenty twenties box of the year. Yes, uh, it definitely deserved it. It's very good overall. Like the gameplay was solid. The narrative was very good. I thought the thing that's really cool about this game that I'm trying not to go into too deep to spoil anything, but you can just tell how well the narrative fed into everything, but then also it made everything have its own story. Yes. Things come alive in
3: this game.
2: Yeah. And it's so unique and how well, like everything made sense and how all that has its own cool backstory to learn about and then how it plays into the narrative overall. Uh, So Jared, what did you think was our best gameplay?
3: I really liked the inheritance and that's really surprising to me because generally this theme does not, Appeal to me whatsoever. But it was the first box that we played. And I think it was part of the overall kind of the merger of the escape room meets murder mystery that intrigued me. But just the puzzles, the digital, everything just really hit home for me in this box. And I just think it's one of their better, more diverse offerings in terms of puzzling.
2: Well, yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit, but the just unique format of having the like the the quote-unquote, I'm gonna call it like the the touring system. Yes, and how that actually has its own puzzles and, and cool. narrative hints into it. Like it, it just felt so unique compared to the other. Not like not the other games were bad, but like it felt unique compared to them. Yes, so
3: I, I totally agree. Uh, I just think it was a really strong box in that respect. Best
2: story, Zach. Ooh, okay. This is hard. I had it between two, but I think I'm gonna give it to Last Resort.
3: I really like the story in Last Resort.
2: Yes. Last resort story is just very fun um, to tell you the beginning of it and not tell you anything else. Uh, This group of people are sent to an Island on this like free vacation that they have no idea why they're going on. Yeah, It's
3: a business group. It's a business group going on and they're
2: like, okay, this is kind of like really random, but I'm excited to go on this cool trip. Um, And then when they get there, a lot more happens than they expect as well as you find out why it's all happening. It
3: was, I know a good story when I see one, when, we're at the very end and we're literally just reading text off of a screen and I'm involved.
2: Yes. Finishing this game was so cool. It was
3: good. And I could see the movie.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny because this I I know of a movie, I think, that literally has almost the same story elements. So it's kind of funny, but it it was great. Just really well done. And then the only one we haven't mentioned
3: is The Scavenger. And I think the problem with The Scavenger is that comparatively – other games just did things better. Like the the it had a decent story, it had decent puzzling, but there wasn't anything stand out in yeah. the scavenger, in my opinion. I still remember the story. Um, it
2: had a a cool meta style puzzle. Oh, it's meta puzzle. I think was the best part of the game. It was the best part of the game. Oh, well, the the map. I'm gonna call it the map puzzle. Yes, because technically there's a, a meta puzzle after it, but the the map puzzle I liked that a lot. Very the, cool. Bringing together some physical elements. That was cool.
3: But overall, those were kind of our thoughts on each of the games. and super excited to hopefully get to play more in the future. Oh, yeah. But that is going to wrap us up for this section. We have Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve
0: puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the
2: People.
3: Zach, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about the robbery at your house last night. Are you
2: okay? I'm fine. But Jared, literally no one broke into my house last night. But I do feel a little upset because you did stand me up for game night. Okay.
3: Your text literally reads break in tonight exclamation <sighs> point.
2: Jared, that's literally the name of the game. It's a really cool new concept where you're trying to solve puzzles to break into the game instead of out of it. All other games follow really cool narratives about real life places. We really should have people check it out in our show notes to get details on where they can pick up this game.
3: So it. It's called break in. Yes.
2: It's breaking in, not breaking out. I'm sorry. It's okay.
3: Welcome back to puzzling company. This is the section we call puzzles to the people. And this is kind of a mixed box of different things. Sometimes we're doing reviews. Sometimes we're talking about things that are applicable directly to our industry. Sometimes most of the time, Zach is getting blitzed by a question that I think sometimes we are all asking ourselves as puzzle people so, Zach, today we are feeding off of where we kind of left off in our review section. And what I want to talk to you about, and this was actually a question that I think was asked not long ago in some of the forums, is do we need to be more clear about the age-appropriate content level of games? Yes. In, uh, so let's talk about movies. Okay. Because that's where we see this video games, a lot of these adjacent things. In those worlds, it's le- it's a legal requirement that you label your games appropriately due to the content. There are governing bodies that oversee age restrictions. things ease such for as everyone. A, ease for, yeah, right. PG-13, rated R, rated X, all these different things. We laugh at them a lot, right? Because sometimes it's a very gray, not perfect scale. Sure. But do you think that needs to be existent in our world? I will say if you go to Deadbolt Society and you go to their FAQs and there is a question that says, is this family friendly? And they say they try really hard, but most of their games are 13 plus. Hmm. But when you look at a box, a Deadbolt box or any box, do you really often see the same type of thing?
2: No. Um, I think the game that I think of that has anything like that was Light in the Mists it was the first one where we had like a warning, like this game talks about these subjects. Yes. Right. Not many games tell us like an age restriction. They're like, or they're like, Hey, we recommend 13 up. That's usually like you said, like on an online platform, but not on the, on the box itself. Right. I think we should, I think being able to indicate easier for people to buy a game that suits them is good it could feel like a lot because i think then it becomes that thing of you have to categorize everything it's like but then also there's the what is pg-13 for everyone right in terms of a a, at an at, at home game sure you know i think that's a hard system too is then now if you want to do it perfect i say perfectly but if you want everyone to follow the same system then what is age appropriate for 13 up what's age friendly for families what's you know like what's the limit? And I think that's going to be very difficult because some games will clearly be like, Oh, I think this is a game made for adults. Sure. Right. But then, you know, not many games we play are pure adult games where they just not like no, not really any games we play have the sexual content in it. Right. Right. Or language or language. Really? I mean, some of them might have language for narrative reasons because it's like characters. Right. But it's not like, like, it's not like a movie or anything like that or a video game where like you have like explicit things happening really in these games. So it's hard for me to be like, okay, there's like a, a very like this is adults only kind of thing other than like horror or creepiness because then it gets like little kids won't like it. But then, I mean, there's kids who like scary movies. So it's uh it's really hard. I think there should be because I think it makes it easier, like I said, for customers, especially newer people, to be able to look up and be like, oh, I, you know, I want to buy a game for my – my 13-year-old kid and they really like this and you can look on the side online and be like yeah we you can play that with your kid it should be totally be fine yes. nothing too crazy well okay so
3: i want you to be a little more specific are you saying that just as an industry games should be better and be more forthright or are you lobbying for some type of non-creator entity governing board that is going through all of these games. And we are developing a universal system for rating games the same way that, like we said, video games has their M through E plus 10 or and, and movies have their G PG PG 13. Mm-hmm. Do you think it needs that? Because from where I'm sitting and just knowing a little bit about the history of specifically movies, it, it comes about because it is appealing to the masses,
2: right? This isn't
3: really, I mean, it's trying to. Well, I, looking at some of the numbers from like a deadbolt, from an escape the crate, from Hunt our killer. mess, I'd like in my opinion, this is no longer a niche Agreed. medium, makes sense. Yeah. right? So as this continues to grow the same way that, es- I could almost say the same thing about escape rooms. Like the reason that video games and movies are so highly- scrutinized is because millions, if not billions of people are affected by them. Sure. Now I'm not going to say that we're as big as those industries yet. Oh, Cause I, we're not, n- not at all. No. We're not, but we're if you combined consumers. escape rooms with at home escape rooms, we're getting pretty close. Sure. We're, we're treading on the heels of that board games, all of that. So is it, Hey, we're just not big enough for anybody to care about yet. And eventually we will see this or, hey, we should be thinking about this now and get ready because it's
2: coming down the pipeline. Sorry, you gave me two different versions of that of that question, or not questions, but like, I would say it's option A. I think right now it's on the creators to govern that more and yes. kind of like do that for themselves and be like, hey, like to prepare for that, right? And also just helps. I think later on what will happen is that there might be some neutral party that does it for everyone. Where yes. they're like, okay, like it's gotten big enough to the point that if there's not like an official thing that makes it easy for everyone, we're gonna do it. Yes. I only really see that when it's like really big. And and I'm not saying like we aren't getting close to that, but I, I still just don't feel like we're there yet to the point that it feels like we I also think that comes when things are a little bit out of control in terms of like no one's really like governing themselves. Yes. And I think so far most of the creators that we have would govern themselves in terms of being like okay, I can say like, this is for kids or this is 13 up very easily. So that when you look, you're like, okay, pretty much everyone follows it. So it's not really a huge deal. If we need like a governing body to be like, this is appropriate. This is the, this is the guidelines for 13 up. Right. right? Jared, you and me are different. You are a parent. Yes. I'm not that I know of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm i not. An, a, That's a messed up. <laughs> okay. It's a joke. I'm not a parent. <laughs> Anyways, Jared, as a parent, does this affect you differently in terms of like what your response is to that question? Yes. Okay.
3: Because my kids are still a little younger. They're right now at the time of this, they're seven, six, and one. Mm -hmm. So obviously not much of a market for one-year-olds in our space, but I have seen a lot and am aware of a lot of content that is coming out in our field that is targeted towards my kids' age range and up like seven to ten. Sure. There is a lot there's a lot of stuff, puzzle, type games that are coming out that are focused at them. Mm-hmm. My personal philosophy on parenting, not to dig too much into parenting, but i I hold myself responsible as the gateway to what my children see. They're at school, I can't I'm not trying to control everything they see, but when we're in the home, there's not just an open access for them to watch cable television at six and seven years old. What? There are, we talk about what we're able to watch. And a lot of times, as a parent, you know, I can't sit down and watch every episode of, of PJ Mask to know if every theme in there is something that I agree with.
2: The dark themes of PJ Mask. <laughs> the, dar- the
3: dark, dark side of PJ Mask. And Bluey, which is my kids' other favorite show. Okay. Shout out to Bluey, by the way. That's a fantastic show. Love it. Love Bluey. I know you're watching you love SpongeBob. You're you're not above all of this. How dare you? Okay. I challenge you to watch an episode of Bluey and tell me that it isn't one of the best heartfelt shows that you've watched in a long time. I feel like I
2: when I was watching your kids that one day, I think I've watched something that came from that show a little bit.
3: It is fantastic. Sorry, that's a tangent. All of this is to say, like, as a parent, I can't watch everything that my kids are about to watch ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So what I rely on a lot of times are these ratings, sure, right? So to have those in place, it gives me a little bit of ease to let me know what I can program my television or their tablets or things like that for them to watch. Coupled by the fact that I honestly just don't like them having a lot of screen time, period. I would much rather, I would honestly much rather do a game like this than have them watch a TV show. So I'm excited to see that this type of content is coming out. But yeah, I would say like this does affect me a lot and I want it, I want it to be more prevalent so that I, as a consumer for not just myself, but for my kids, can make decisions based on how I want to parent, right? I'm not advocating for my style of parenting for everyone, but I think parents want to know what they are spending their money on so that they can guideline according to how they want to parent. And for me, yeah, I want to know if there is death, murders, themes more, yeah, dark themes more often because I think there is a time and place, and these games can be even conversation starters for those with their kids. But there's a point in their maturation where they're ready for that, and a point where they're not. And some of it is just parenting. We're like, I don't want to have to get into that, you know? Like, I don't want to have to explain to my kids this, this, that, and the other at this point in. Wait, their you life. don't want to
2: explain eight-year-olds what serial killers are?
3: Yeah, I don't. I'm not ready for that conversation just yet. I think that's be- fair because they're going to run to our pantry. And make the association that it has something to do with what they're eating most mornings, versus the the true meaning of if that. If someone
2: kills Captain Crunch, I will find them. <laughs> I will, we
3: will find you. You leave that rabbit alone from tricks. My frosted
2: flakes are <laughs> more than good; they're great. Sorry. But
3: yeah, I would say for me, it's a it's a huge point of I want to know that as an adult in these style of games, not so much, but I am cognizant of that when we are looking around mm. and we're thinking about what type of entertainment we want to imbibe as a family.
2: Okay. Makes
3: perfect sense. I think Does it matter to you at all as a 24 year old I'm
2: 25? <laughs> How dare you <laughs> say I'm only 24? Okay. I'm a 25 year old man. Um so, now th- So is
3: that the is that the age flip for you? Were you a boy at twenty four and at twenty I was a
2: young adult and now <laughs> or sorry I was a young man. I'm a real man. Now you're a real man. I'm a real boy. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, it does matter. It is important that if I want to come over and hang out with like, you know, when I come and play over games with, you know, your kids and you that I don't bring a game over or like a a puzzle game that we open it up and, you know, I have to explain to your kids that, oh, this is about a hostage situation. And this guy is going to kill this person. And then then explain that whole situation easily. I do care, Um, but I could understand someone not caring. Like, you know, if for them, it's like I'm buying this puzzle game for myself. Sure. So why do I care about someone else's? I wouldn't say it's selfish. I mean, it is selfish in terms that it is for you only. But it doesn't mean that, like you're a bad person that you're like, ah, oh, like, I mean, I'm only playing this right. myself. So. I,
3: I'm, I'm saying it more so. I'm not here to like lay a moral standard. <laughs> How dare you, person <laughs> who buys the game for themselves. Zach and I are out here and we want to start the committee so that we can start judging all your games beyond just their puzzle and narrative value. We
2: we want to tell you whether it's good or bad. I'm also totally neutral and the most moral person ever, for sure. I've never made <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> well, here's here's where I want to take it now. I
3: grabbed three mass market games from our closet. Okay. And in looking over them, they all do a good job of one thing, but there's another element that I'm not as a big fan of and I want your opinion on it. Okay. So sitting in front of me, we have a Exit the Game. Okay. We have an Unlock Game and then we have a 50 Clues, which spoiler alert 50 clues coming on the show (gasps) for for December. Oh my gosh. Which may have been more appropriate in October, but they're coming on the show in December. But as I look at these, the unlock game that I have is an OG, the Tonopole's Treasure. The exit game is also an OG. It's the secret lab. And then I'm holding the uh, part one of three, Pendulum of the Dead for 50 clues. Uh, Tonopole's Treasure says 10 plus. Exit the game says 12 and up. Okay. And Pendulum of the Dead says sixteen and up. Okay, I like that they are going out of their way. I don't. I. I honestly don't know if because they're mass market, they're required to put that. I imagine there's some level of.
2: I, f- I feel like they have to, to some degree,
3: to some degree have to do that. But what I don't like, and I think I like more about the video game and um, even the music world, is
2: they're telling me why. It's like the, like in video games, they have like E, but then it, it or like it says mature. And then it says like drugs, language, sex, rock and roll or, or, um,
3: fantasy violence is always a funny one for me. Like I just imagine like teddy bears punching each other. And that's why it's 10 plus instead of E for everyone. But this tells
2: me nothing. It just says age. It just it just just says age. Is it sixteen because it has like it's just a little bit darker, or is it sixteen because there's like right? It'd be an interesting yeah. Like, is there language in this? Like, what
3: is what is in? I'm trying to remember what is in the Tonopah's treasure that is unsatisfactory for an eight year old versus a ten year old? Weapons. What? Maybe, but but I wouldn't know that. That's my guess. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to remember this and the- There's like
2: the duel, I think. There's like a few if I'm remembering the game correctly, there are small elements of pirates fighting each other. So I that could be it. But
3: that but that's what I'm saying in all of this is I think I I personally want to know why and I like that more about the larger media systems than i do about this but then again that the counter argument to this is well this is going to be different for everybody sure right so i think i'm even more in favor of like telling me what is potentially a risk in your game versus trying to arbitrarily assign an age to this because did did 50 clues make 15 15 year olds cry but only one 16-year-old cry, and that is why it's like, what is this the system or the ideology going behind all this? I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. And it's so hard because I think as creators, you want your ha- your game going into the hands of people that want to play your game. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's sitting out there going, yes, we must get the mass murder games into the five-year-old hands to make millions of dollars. But in the same breath, it's like, the only other, you know, things that I see on here is the, uh, the warnings for choking hazards to say like, Hey, a three-year-old definitely should not hold this game by themselves, which I respect that as well as, a, par- as a parent of a young adult yeah, or as a, of a young adult of a young child, dad, but where, where do you fall in all of this? I, I, I kind of said my piece, but I'm interested to hear what you say. Would you want more specificity or what do you want?
2: No, I think that'd be great it's like i said it doesn't currently for me it doesn't affect me too much because there's no game at least in my mind that will go crazy on my way that would stop me from playing it right, right. It, it would still be intriguing but it would at least give me a warning of like hey this is made for like 18 and up and includes sexual content yes. right as an example not really in these games but like as an example right then I'd be like okay if i really didn't want to deal with anything sexual i can ignore it because a really don't want sexual content in the game unless it like really needs it for some weird reason like i said it's that thing of like i almost worry about it more if i bought it for somewhere else someone else like if i bought a game that was like like a that pendulum of the dead and i bought it you know as a thing for like you and your kids and then i found out it had language and sure thing in violence and you really didn't want to have your kids play then i'd feel really bad right so it would matter more for that but for just me personally it wouldn't matter
3: yeah And I think that's the, that's the question that we're asking. And if you're a creator listening or a player, you're wondering to what length do I go to try to explain the content of my game to players Mm -hmm. like, or as a player, what level of description do I need slash deserve as a consumer so that everyone is well-informed And honestly, I just think it's difficult. I'm not here trying to prescribe, you need to do this, you need to do this. Personally, I like more specifics and that's turned on way more now as a parent than I was when I was a single person. But it's a weird middle ground that this thought provoked when we were playing these because the stories I really enjoyed, but I don't know at what age this feels appropriate.
2: I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. How would you format this into every game? Because here's my issue, right? I, I like the system. I like giving more details, but how do you fit that warning on, like, on Root of All Evil? You yeah. Get, when you get a like a a a nailed in box that's just dark and looks olden, do you look on, on the bottom of the box and there's an E for everyone? Well, you know, like I'm not saying it'd be that, but did, do you get like a letter that gives you instructions? Is it on their website? I think that I think that's what I'm asking for is retailers have
3: to do it because. They're not in creators because the point of sale is not always known. Correct. Right? It goes through so many hands. Root of all evil is just sold on Krakenut's website right sure. now. Yeah, yeah. So give me something on the website that says like this is the or like this when you're buying this. it, it says again, like again, warning. I haven't been to root of all evils, but it is a difficult topic because there is no universal setting for all of this. Yeah. Every consumer thinks about parenting their own media consumption differently, but at the same time, there has to be something out there because inevitably you're going to run into somebody that gets something that they view as inappropriate, that they're going to say, if I had known this ahead of time, I wouldn't have purchased this. Mm -hmm. And then you're, in essence, as a business person, you're just alleviating customer support issues that you don't want to have all these conversations with. Sure. I'll tell a fun story about all of this. Okay. In my previous job before this, and maybe this is PTSD from this, I worked at a university and one of the events that we had every year was we had to put on a family movie. And it was for the weekend where the parents' weekend, where all the parents came back. My job was not to pick the movie, it was to have my students pick the movie. And then for me to be kind of that gatekeeper to say, like, yeah, I think that's appropriate. So we picked a new movie. It was the year that Brave, the Disney movie about, I believe it says, is it a Scottish family?
2: Is it the, the Scottish girl? And then Scottish like. Scottish girl, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, and after the movie, I had a parent run to my office and just Karen me to death on, I can't believe you would pick this movie. This, the bears in that movie were just utterly terrifying for my children. You need to da, 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 da. And I was like, I was really caught off guard from it because it's, it's a Pixar movie. If anybody is held to rigid standards about what can be put in their movie to call it quote unquote, family friendly. I feel like Pixar would hold that standard. I was kind of at a loss and I was like, sure. so I think all of this is maybe originating from that. And I was caught as the gatekeeper at that going like, do I apologize to this woman? What can we watch now that is universally acceptable at parents weekend? Let's watch Bambi. Let's, <laughs> I don't know. A, like,
2: Oh, that'd be bad. The hunters
3: <laughs> in the audience were like, yeah. And then <laughs> that killed, that, the yeah, mother, dang it dang killed it. that mother. There's no winning. Oh it yeah. It feels no. like, but I think the more, descriptive and prescriptive that we can be Mm. I think that's just going to be beneficial for all of us is where I would leave all of this fair enough well that's going to wrap us up for puzzles to the people we've got questions for creators coming at you next
0: there are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve this is questions for
2: creators hey Zach Jared I'm not falling for this again
3: oh so what now you don't trust me
2: correct I don't trust you
3: Well, then do I have a game
2: for you. What are you talking about?
3: Floor 13 from CU Adventures. It's the story of a company with too much trust.
2: But I don't trust you.
3: Well, Zach, trust me on this. You need to head on over to CUAdventures.com and play Floor 13 or their other game, The Lost Temple, and you will not be disappointed.
2: Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in the section that is Question for Creators. Um, this is a section where we get to talk to the amazing people who create the games and kind of get to ask them questions. Um, we are very excited to talk to the people from Deadbolt. Um, we don't want to tell you too much about who we're talking to. We'll let them introduce themselves. So tell us your name and then tell us a little bit about the story leading up to the creation of Deadbolt Mister Society.
1: So my name is Jason Brandon and I'm here with my brother Sean Brannon. Uh, we are the co-owners and co-creators of the deadbolt mystery society we started out with an escape room business so we started out with deadbolt escape rooms here in tupelo mississippi and uh, we we really started out not knowing a lot about escape rooms but we enjoyed uh, doing them as participants Uh, so we decided to open one on our own because of course that's what you do when you don't know something about a specific uh Field, you you open a business that revolves around that. <laughs> but uh, we we uh, we started out writing our own puzzles and creating our own rooms, and uh, we did that for a couple of years. And we we decided that we wanted to do something to expand our customer base, where it, it allowed us to reach customers. Um, outside of our geographic area and to also uh, reach those customers of ours that had done all of our escape rooms. So we came up with the uh, box concept where basically we would take sort of some of the components from escape rooms and put those with a murder mystery in a in a box and send those out to consumers. So uh, we started that in 2019, I believe, Sean? 2018. 2018. Yeah, so we, we started out... Uh, doing the Deadbolt Mystery Society boxes uh, around my kitchen table. Uh, very small operation. We had, you know, very few that we sold in the beginning. And, you know, since then we've, we've continued to grow and um, uh, we're where we are now. So, John, you may want to add something to that.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm going to blame this entire thing on Jason. Okay, so this is uh, th- this entire thing was, was his idea. Uh, the escape rooms, the box concept, uh, because he had gone with his now, it's his wife now, but, um, at the time they were just dating, they went and did an escape room, uh, for a date night. And, and he called me afterwards and, and was just so enthusiastic about, uh, what he had just experienced and, uh, wanted me to experience the same thing and, and thought that this was something that we should, you know, we should do. And uh, I mean, at that time he had another job, I owned a, another business. So I thought it sounded, you know, I thought it sounded cool, but I didn't fully comprehend what he was, uh, what he was sharing with me about his experience. And so, you know, this ended up happening, I think three more times before uh, I finally went and did an escape room with them. And as soon as we got out of uh, doing that room and we, we escaped, and as soon as we got out of that, I knew exactly what he was talking about and we just sort of hit the ground running, brainstorming ideas, room themes, business opportunities because I, I currently owned a another business. And so we put our heads together and ended up going and doing a, a lot of other escape rooms just to get a much greater feel for what we were thinking about embarking on. And, you know, then we created deadbolt escape rooms. So, you know, he he, he says, we didn't know a whole lot about it. We, we we knew more than he's, than he's giving us credit for, but did that. And he pretty much from the b- beginning of starting deadbolt escape rooms, he wanted us to create something that could um, go to consumers Wherever they were in the world, and that's that's how uh, the Deadbolt mystery Society started. I mean we had the escape room for maybe a year and a half before we dipped our toes into the water of the of the the box world. and our very first box this was not this was not part of a subscription or anything, was called the King of Hearts, and I think we did maybe fifty, 50 of those, yeah, we did fifty copies and just sold them through the escape room there was There was no online component no subscription component. So we did that, learned a whole lot from that experience. And then so I think we did that in December of 2017. And then in February of 2018 is when we start, started taking subscriptions for the Deadbolt Mystery Society. And our first box with that was Murder in 3B. And we've been putting out a new mystery ever since then, every month, in addition to some special projects that were not part of the monthly subscription. So it's uh, you know, I, I blame all of this uh, hard work <laughs> on, on Jason, but it's been it's been a fantastic, fantastic journey up to this point.
2: Where does the name Deadbolt find its origins?
1: There's not a lot of story behind it. It's just like we were trying to find something to set us apart from other escape room businesses. So I can remember just sort of going through and Googling like words that had any sort of affiliation with locks or keys or things like that. And, um, you know, I think I just ran across and be like, you know what, I don't think I've seen anybody with this name. And I think we even Googled it and nobody had it at that point. So we're like, this sounds kind of cool. Like we should go with that. So, I mean, there wasn't anything really significant about it other than it just like it, it was something that we didn't see a lot of. I mean, you know, you see a lot of things that have the word lock in them, you know, when, when you're talking about escape rooms or, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, it was just one of those, We just we just sort of brainstormed until we came across it and then it just sort of seemed to click. That's it.
3: How in the world do you guys put a box out every month? This seems like a logistical feat slash nightmare. How are you staying on top of this?
0: When we started this process, we both had uh, full heads of hair, and it was fully colored. And, <laughs> and now um, we're, we're we're going bald. Uh, not 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 really. It is insane. I mean, and that's how we that's how we feel. At, at different points, it started off with just the two of us, and you know like I said we we started moving some resources and, and making some changes within our, our our business and that's when we started adding
1: some other content creators and writers yeah i mean we've 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 currently got uh, four other writers that we've brought aboard uh, since we started there are times where we're further ahead than others and it's it's one of those things that we continually battle is like, okay, we got to continue to put more time between us and the time that we release these boxes, because, you know, we do have a testing process that we have in place where we have test groups that go through these. And we, you know, we have proofreading and copy editing and all those sorts of things that we, that we do. And obviously you want more time between those things and the time that you release it. So It really, since the beginning, that has been a big struggle for us, especially since we decided to go monthly, which, like you say, is kind of crazy when you you think about the fact that we're putting a new one of these out every month. So at this point, we've done over 50 of these. So for the last 50 months, essentially, we've written and produced a new box. There are times where even I'm not sure how we continue to do it at the pace that we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, we create special projects throughout the year too. So, I mean, if you look at, so last year, let's say we put a new, like a holiday box out. Um, we put, we started creating many mysteries. Um, we just released in October, uh, our newest release is a project with paranormal investigator, Nick Groff. And so we've got, um, Nick Groff's ghost hunt, the cleansing of Killian house. Before that we released uh, a new product called a double feature, which was two full length uh, mysteries, Howl with the moon and the ventriloquist, so you know you you take that and put that in the mix with everything else that we're we're doing and it, it is crazy you know our, our reasoning for these extra products is because like we we have a high demand for new mysteries, and i mean that's that's fantastic we we appreciate our customer base so much and and we're so thankful that you know they, they want more and so we we do what we can to to provide them with more, more experiences, but it's crazy. I mean, we are thankful to have four other riders. Um, some, I mean, you know, we had a new rider start really within the last month. And so, I mean, let's say maybe over the last, uh you know, six months, we've added three of those four. So, it, you know, we are, we are very appreciative of them. they they brought great skill sets and ideas and, you know, really without them, it would be, um it would be very tough. So I mean they they are they are doing creation while we're doing our own creation or sometimes, you know, the way that our business has grown, we find ourselves having to do more administrative things. So we, you know, we've we've got a shipping department and we've got, you know, customer service and and you know, we've got a great group of people who help pack and produce our products that that go out to to our customers. And so, you know, there there are times that maybe we're having to deal with shipping issues or, or, supply issues. And, you know, that really cuts into, into our time to create. So having, having these other, these other content creators is super, super helpful. You know, when we, there, there's so many things that we could do to make this business easier, but you know, uh, I guess we, I guess we like a challenge because one thing is our, our boxes every month are completely different. So, I mean, they are custom printed and custom design, you know, I mean, so we have to have our, our great graphic designer. Um, she does a fantastic job on the designs, but we have to have those designed and we have to have those orders. And something that would make it easier on us is if we just had just a standard, you know, box and we just, we just put the new materials in it each month. There's so many things that go into, uh, you know, what we're doing here. And bottom line is we just have a fantastic team of people. Um, that we get to work with every day who help, who, you know, help us create these, these mysteries that our customer base loves.
2: And how involved have you stayed with the actual creation process of the Deadbolt Mr. Society versus like the business operations?
1: Our stamp is on everything. I mean, nothing, nothing is released that we don't have our hands in. So even though we might be doing, you know, dealing with shipping problems or supply issues, I mean, everything still goes through us and we still have to feel like what we're putting out, you know, is at the level that, that we want it to be at. So, you know, we have different backgrounds, you know, I've got a background in writing and I've, I've done some publishing in the past with novels and short stories. So the storytelling component is really one of the bigger things for me. And that's, that's sort of where my background comes from. And, you know, when we, when we did the escape room, uh, you know, open the escape rooms. I mean, we sort of trained on puzzle writing and, and puzzle creation at that point. So the boxes were sort of putting those things together in a comprehensive fashion, I guess, that that all sort of work together. And, you know, there are things that Sean is very good at and, and is better than I am. And there are things that I'm better at than he is. So, you know, really he sort of oversees certain things and I oversee certain things, you know, there might be times where something will come across our desk where it's like, all right, take a look at this and see what you want to do to it and, and vice versa. So, you know, there might be story elements that are kicked over to me because that's sort of my background. And there are times where puzzle elements might be kicked over to him because, you know, he did a lot more of the escape room puzzle creation and design than I did. So, you know, we we definitely want to make sure that everything that that leaves our facility is at that level that we have tried to achieve. So, you know, I would say that everything has our fingerprint on it in some way, even if it wasn't specifically written by us.
3: Earlier in our review, we talked about how this seemed like a really great fusion of the escape room world and the murder mystery, true crime world. Why go that route? Why have both of these sink in together? And do you feel like there's been a lot of success from that fusion?
0: A lot of it has been through, I'll say trial and error. Um, so that's you know we're we're constantly learning you know how people react to things, what they like, what they don't like. I guess that was that was one of the good things about having an escape room. You know when you've got a group of people locked in a room, you see how they act and how they respond to different things. And we see that a little bit during the testing process of this as we're as we're you know getting you know user feedback uh, but you know really really doing our best to understand you know what people like um, has been a really important thing to us now i mean granted when we started this we just created and hoped that people liked it i mean when we when we released murder in 3b i mean we didn't have a, a target audience per se i mean it's like you know look, we're we're going to try this and hope that people like it and uh, along the way we've seen that people don't like to read a whole lot they want the story but they don't want to, or at least at least our, our customers, what we've experienced, that they, they don't want to sit there and, and have to read through a whole lot of stuff. So then that's where the puzzles come in. You know, we've created all of our mysteries to take place within the fictional town of Valley Falls. I mean, almost all of them take place here. And, you know, we sort of view Valley Falls as our own, like, Gotham City. You know, we've got these, these crazy characters that, that show up. You know, we we don't necessarily call ourselves true crime, um, but you know, there there are you know criminal things that happen. There are serial killers. There there are murders that you are solving. Um, but you know, we 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 like staying sort of right there in the middle of you know, here's our our fantasy world. Like I said, kind of like we we it our our Gotham City, and I mean we we just try and create a nice blend of. Puzzles with our puzzle backgrounds in the escape rooms, and then you know incorporating the the storytelling that you know Jason said is one of his strengths because he's been writing for
1: ever <laughs> and, and I would say that you know sort of the way that I view our box is it's more like an episode of a of a TV show that you really enjoy um each episode is different, I mean each crime is different, but you know if you were to watch an episode of like c s i you know, you get something different with each of those. I mean, it's sort of the same. You, you've got a formula there, but you know, each one is a little bit different, and they take you to different places and and things like that. So you know, obviously, we like uh, shows like that, and you know, those sorts of influences, I guess, would have to factor into to the creation of these because you know, each box is like an episode of a show. I mean, you know, you get a you get a complete story. You know, we don't we don't require you to do multiple boxes to get to the end. I mean, you've got the whole thing right there in front of you. So. You know, that was that's sort of our mindset is you know, we want, you know, customers to, you know, have the whole story right there in front of them where they can solve the mystery at, at one time. And, you know, I think that's worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah. And we do our best to to make sure that the information that we convey to you in the in the puzzle solutions is concrete. We we try and not leave things up to interpretation as much as possible. Like we don't like if, if you're if you're solving one of our mysteries. Like we don't want you sitting back thinking, you know, is this person telling me the truth, or are they lying to me? like you know, can I really believe them if if this person is a is a liar, then you know we are going to do our best to either reveal in a puzzle or reveal in some other piece of information that this person is a liar, and so okay, then then maybe you can take their information into question, but you know we don't we don't want to leave a lot of things up to um you know uh, up to just interpretation. If we can keep from it,
3: tell us a little bit about what you guys have planned for the future. Are we expecting more great stories? Are you guys gonna be iterating, doing things a little bit differently what's What's coming up for Deadbolt?
0: We would like to be the first murder mystery box company on Mars, okay so.
1: a <laughs> kid If somebody ends up on Mars, they can take one. <laughs> Uh you know, we we we've got a lot of ideas and you know, kind of what we run into is we have more ideas than we have time to develop the ideas. So we've always got things that we're sort of kicking around in our in our minds. You know, we've we've got some plans for some potential like partnerships. We can't really talk about those at this at this point because they're not they're not developed far enough along that we can say, yes, this is going to happen. But like Sean said before, you know, what we've seen is that our subscribers want more content from us, and that's sort of a plan. And you know, the, the the form that content might take, you know, is is up to debate, I guess, at this point because we've discussed a lot of things. I mean, we've we've got books at this point. We've got um, the subscription boxes, which we do monthly. We've also got the like like Sean said, we've done a double feature, which is outside of the subscription, which is two full boxes that are not tied into the monthly. And then we've done the partnerships with like Nick Groff. And, you know, we've done done a, a media time with Amazon for a, for a show called uh, Tell Me Your Secrets. So, you know, we look to do more of those sorts of things in the future. And, you know, we want to continue to develop the world of Valley Falls and to expand on what we've already done. So we feel like there's a lot of things in this town that's still happening that nobody knows about. So it's our job to bring those things to light and uh, let people see what's happening in this weird little place that we've created.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know he's, I know he's my brother, but I will pat him on the back for this. But I mean, you know, if you haven't picked up the the books that he's written, they're fantastic in providing more lore for Valley Falls. I mean, if, if you've done, done some of our boxes, you know, as you're, as you're reading through uh, these, these stories, you're going to pick up on these Easter eggs. You're going to, you're going to recognize locations. You're going to recognize characters. And you know that's that's something that's extremely satisfying to us. Uh, you know we we've we've created our our mysteries to where you don't have to have multiple boxes to solve. Now you know I'll say so we did the we created the collector as a monthly uh, as a monthly box and you know we we sort of left that up for a little cliffhanger at the end and we had no plans to create you know catch me if you can the collector part two but so many people wanted to know more about the story. So we ended up creating that as a, as a box outside of our uh, subscription um, service. Um, You know, so, you know, any, any more like lore and any, any way that we can build Valley Falls, we want to do that and we want to get the content out in, in, in front of people. So, you know, we would love to, I mean, there's, so there's nothing in the works for this at the moment, but you know, we could very much see our boxes as, like Jason said, like episodes of a TV show. We could very much, you know, see, you know, a, a TV show where every episode is something crazy going on in Valley Falls, whether or not every episode was, you know, murder mystery related. Um, you know, just the the weird and the and the strange, and you know, that's what uh, that's what we that's what we are here. That's what we like creating. And we would love if if we got the opportunity to, to work on something like that, because we can totally see, let's say you took, you know, eight of our boxes and made eight different episodes. Well, you know, we just think that'd be that would be a really, really cool thing. So um, nothing in the works for that at the moment. But, you know, if if we had to put something through our, our windshield as a field of vision, that would be something that we would like to do.
2: And a question we ask everyone what game are you playing? Um, it can be another, you know, at home game. Um, it could be a video game, whatever. We love shouting out other creators as well as other types of games that people should check out.
0: I, I will say that a couple of things that we have played, um, and we, we play this ongoing. This, this would be video game. Is a, a game called Dead by Daylight. And, Jason. again, I'm going to blame Jason on that. He's the one responsible for, for, you know, getting me hooked on that. I guess there was, there was a pun right there, the hook, since that's uh, what happens to you in the game. Uh, so Dead by Daylight, um, another board game that we played is um, Mixtape Massacre. That's a that's a fun game, and it deals with, you know, sort of nostalgic
1: horror. And- yeah, and, we, you know, it, we also, anytime that we take a trip anywhere to any city, we always support the escape room creators in those places because that's one of the things that we do no matter what kind of a trip we take is we always seek out uh, escape rooms to go and visit, you know, to sort of, I guess, that itch that we have, you know, since we don't own an escape room anymore, but we still enjoy them. So, you know, we go and get our puzzle fix at those places. So, you know, we've done, you know, all of the uh, Memphis escape rooms, rooms, they're, they're very good. So, you know, they're, they're local and, you know, they're are close to us. So, you know, we'll definitely give them a pat on the back because they do a great job. And, and we've done, you know, rooms in all different places. So, you know, we, we we're always looking for things to sort of Stimulate our minds, just because you know that that keeps us being creative, and and, you know we see what other people are doing, and we can admire other people's effort, you know, because sometimes you just you want to see what other people do instead of creating something you're you know on your own. So, you know, we always we always do that wherever we go. So
0: with us creating all the time, you know, it's it's a nice reprieve to go and experience someone else's creation because it's, I mean, it's just sort of a you know relaxing it i mean even though the the clock is ticking down from 60 minutes you know and and the pressure is on it's it's still
1: it's still a nice break and and we're always we're always reading you know one of the things that we do is you know sort of a i guess round table sort of a thing for our creators is we have a a book club sort of a interior uh book club that we pick something that's mystery related uh, once a month and all of our writers are, are required to read it we sort of have a little Roundtable discussion about what makes it good, and you know what sorts of things the the author does to, you know, reveal information, and how those things could be used to, I guess, make our boxes better, where we to utilize some of those same tools. So, you know, we're always reading things. I mean, you know, obviously we read things that are traditional, like Agatha Christie. I mean, we've done a couple of those books uh, internally. You know, we've done, and then there were none, and then we've also done uh, Murder on the Orient Express. So you know we're always trying to find new things to read and just different ways to grow and learn.
0: Yeah, I mean and if you, if you if you look at how those things influence us. So, um, and then there were nine. So I'll say this about Jason: one of his, uh, one of his favorite things to do, uh, within within a story within our mysteries, is to isolate a group of people. And I mean it's it's I mean it, it's great. I I I love. I love when he creates something that that does that. And, you know, it, it it really increases the pointing of fingers and placing blame. And it's just a really cool concept. So, you know, if you look at it, and then there were nine, and if you look at some of our mysteries, cabin, last resort, anyway, those, those, those are a couple that, you know, we, that's, that's a format that that we enjoy putting in um, periodically because we just love what it can do as far as, Character development, but you know, we're we're always we're we're constantly watching TV shows, we're constantly watching movies, reading, playing games. I mean, we're an entertainment company, and we like to have fun. Uh, but all of these things we can draw, uh, you know, draw inspiration from, and helps with our brainstorming as we, you know, as we move forward creating new products for the Deadbolt Mystery Society. Thank you so much for having us on here. I mean, it's it's been a pleasure and and you know it's it's nice to have these these conversations and you know it 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 triggers things for us that you know maybe we uh forgotten or we have to you know think back to think back to the, the beginning and um you know we just we we just appreciate uh, appreciate what you're doing and appreciate you for having us um having us on here i mean people can always uh find us at uh deadboltmysterysociety.com uh, or follow us on facebook instagram and twitter those are our main social platforms we're constantly putting out content i mean anything new that we release or just what we currently have can be found there um you know we're we're getting ramped up for the holidays and so you know we've got a we've got a few secrets in store that that will be uh you know those things will be making appearances soon
1: i was just going to second what sean said and just say thanks for having us i mean it's always good to talk to somebody else that uh, enjoys the same things that we do. And, you know, hopefully uh, our passion for this comes through in, in the boxes that you guys played and, and we're glad to hear that you enjoyed them. And, you know, anybody that finds us through this uh, podcast, we hope that they enjoy them too.
3: Jason, we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Honored to have you. Also honored to have somebody from our neck of the woods. Yes. Not that far away from us, uh, just south of Memphis in Mississippi. Really, really, really cool. We'll uh, we'll see you for an escape room sometime for sure. Oh, yeah. If you want to find out more information about Deadbolt, you can go to deadboltmysterysociety.com. You can join their subscription or you could pick up an old box. Again, the four that we played on today's episode were Scavenger, Museum Nocturnus, The Last Resort and The Inheritance. And those are the ones that we covered. But there's a host of other games out there. Be sure also to go to the Puzzle People Game and Mysteries Facebook page and you can check out to see if there's any good recommendations there for some of the more popular
2: ones. Zach, how can people help us out? There's a few different things you can do. Um, The first thing is go to wherever you're listening to this podcast. If that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever. Um, And leave us a five-star review. Uh, We'd very much appreciate it. Tell us how much you're loving the show, stuff like that. Um, What you can also do is you can go follow us on social media. So you can go follow us on Facebook, at Puzzling Company, or at Instagram, at Puzzling Company. So, Zach, do you know what we're playing next week? I actually do. Really? I know. It's the first time ever. (laughs) We are going to be talking about Taco Tuesday.
3: Uh, My favorite food with my favorite day.
2: You love Tuesday? No, and tacos? I, I really don't
3: like Tuesday that much. Okay, I was
2: like, I mean, taco Tuesday is cool. I, I like having ta- tacos. Ta- tacos
3: are up there,
2: but they're not. I'm sorry. I just felt like
3: appropriate to say that.
2: Okay. Well, that's fair. But uh, stay tuned next week for when uh, me and Jared work together to try to stop the guacamole. That's my best guacamole. I don't really know what a guacamole sounds like. It's okay. I don't either.
3: For Puzzling Company, this is Jared and Zach. We'll see you all next time. See you.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been
1: Road Media
0: Network Podcast.